Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everybody. How are you getting on? I hope you are enjoying the break and you're having you had a good Christmas and everything like that. This is just a little bonus episode, the best of season two. Um, just to keep you going while we plan season three. And obviously just anyone who maybe has only listened to an episode of two of season two and you're wondering, can I commit to a whole episode about Peter McFarry, Ryan Andrews, Jonathan Jolie? Well, I just thought I'd give you some little snippets of the episodes that we have gotten so far and you might hear something you like. Maybe you haven't listened to an episode. Maybe it's someone you don't know and you're thinking, mm, it's not for me. Here's a little clip from each of them and you can see if it's something that you maybe can commit to a whole episode. Anyways, I will let the celebs take over. The first guest I had on season two of Tis Yourself was the fabulous Orgy Mitty from Breaking Bad who plays Mr. Walter White Jr. Yeah, no, he's he's a person. That's and that's why I think I cared so much about this series and why I'm I think the Walt Jr. character really lived on so well and then all the characters, one being great writing. But um yeah. but when it came to Walt Jr. You know, this uh, the the humanity of Walt Jr. was was very a commonality that we all share of an individual who wants to have a happy family with a, with a, with a, uh, everyone together and happy and, and, and no one's fighting and just living our lives and going to school and, and making friends. And, you know, that's, that's what we kind of, to a degree, we, we all want, we want to just be able to be who we are as individuals Anyone who knows me knows I'm a massive Peaky Blinders fan and I'm a massive fan of my guest that I had on from the show. Packy Lee plays Johnny Dogs and he was talking all about losing one of their own this year, how COVID affected the show while it was filming and obviously 10 years coming to an end when Peaky Blinders returns in early 2022. Uh, not just Killian, there was also uh, Sophie, leading by example, um, and, and when these guys are standing there doing that, we fall and we do the exact same. It's just automatic that you do that, you know. You, you know, that's how it is. But it was a very hard emotional shoot. Um, and then uh, on top of of the loss of Helen and the pain and heartache, um, which we we felt, believe me, uh, then, then we had to also deal with the the security and the and the and the the whole control of COVID and trying to film and shoot through that. So it was quite a hard shoot, quite a difficult shoot. Um, but, you know, uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy what what, they, uh, what we've come up with, or, or maybe not. If there are any Geordie Shore fans out there, you may not have known, but I've had James and Sophie on the pod- podcast with me. And Sophie was talking about how, like, you might not have actually known this, but while Geordie Shore was on telly, she was at her worst state financially. Uh, so, so broke. She'd only a tenner in her pocket and she just didn't know how she was ever going to be able to come back from this when everybody else thought due to social media, she was living her best life. It's come from like, you know, a few years ago. I was just really depressed at one point. I remember like I lost my businesses. I lost a lot of money. I woke up with like 10 pound in my bank. People thought again, like I was 
multi-millionaire, so rich. I've got so much money. And I remember waking up with £10 and I was like, how the fuck do I deal with this? Like people think I'm, I've, I live this amazing life, but I've lost everything. Like I lost a lot. Um, and that's when I was actually on Geordie Shaw as well. It, you know, it was taught like about three years ago. It wasn't that long, to be honest. Um, and it was really, really tough. So I think like people have a different perception and think, you know, you're, you're invisible, but we're just humans too. Like we're just exactly like other people, you know, people lose businesses, you lose money, you get back up there. Like now, I think after going through that, I've had to have a little bit more of a positive mindset. This is one, I suppose it could be for the GAA fans or it could be for someone who is interested in mental health. Um, Shane Carthy plays for Dublin and he openly and honestly spoke to me for World Mental Health Day all about his experience with his mental health and how while he was breaking records and lifting the SAM and all that, he was inside feeling like absolute crap and was considering suicide. From my house to training and I was crying. I was calling in my bloodshot eyes and the kind of mask and the, I would say the persona that I was given that everything was okay was slowly beginning to, I would say, deteriorate. It was beginning to kind of show cracks and um, coming into kind of a year and a half, two years. And even I spoke about there, get my hands on the all uh, the Senior Trophy in the, in the Sam Maguire a week after that. So I've just been in front of 82 and a half thousand people with the Sam Maguire cast high above my head. And one week later, I'm having thoughts of dying by suicide. Jesus. And, I, and, I, and I'm thinking, especially at that stage, you, you can you can probably be in my head here going, how can I say this to anyone? Last week I was, I'm 18 years of age, overachieving in my career to date. And last week I was just at the pinnacle of my career in front of 82 and a half thousand people. And now I'm sitting here wanting no part of this world. I was thinking, how can I say this to anyone? Like, as in, this is the most unlikely situation that I can now speak up. So it, it kind of culminated into yet again, as it did for that year and a half of that crush, that medication continuing to be football, but the suicidal ideations were never leaving by my side. Up now is a clip from my chat with Ryan Andrews, who you'll know from Fair City, Dance with the Stars, and then this year he did Ultimate Hell Week. And he was talking all about how he really struggled when he came back from Hell Week, how all the torture they had been put through really just took its toll on him. And it didn't, it took him a few weeks to kind of get back into the flow of things. But he also talked about how his experience on the show led him to get down on one knee. And it took me a while, to be honest. I swear to God, I, like, it really took me a while to get back to like normal. Like, it, and like, genuinely, it's not like talking, oh, like it was so extreme, but it actually was mm. to get back to normal life, to get back to eating. Like, I literally ate like a bowl, like literally a bowl of cereal every five minutes and I was eating with my hands and I was like, a, I was like a, a caveman. Everyone was like, but yeah, sweating at night. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was jumping up in the middle of the night going, oh, they're coming, they're coming. Like I was... Yeah, so even thinking about it now, I'm actually sweating. Uh, I love to see, and the sea like, I, plays a big part of this show, right? Mm. I was in the sea every single day. Don't feel the cold. I didn't get into the sea till eight weeks later. Jesus. That's after the show. Trauma. Yeah. Oh, trauma. I post traumatic stress from it and stuff. Yeah, there were certain things that, and it's, it's yeah, it's, but look, that's the, they explained that, they, mm. and they had 
psychologists and all that at the end of the show to kind of talk through things or some things that happen in the show that we actually need a psychiatrist for as well. And I'm going, like my family are going, did you know? I was like, I had no idea that this was going to happen. I was like, if I had, I probably wouldn't have said yes to it. So it's like, it's like a roller coaster. You're just on it and then you just keep going with it. But uh, yeah, it took a while to get back to normal, mm-hmm. if, you know. But uh, definitely we, we got a lot of life lessons from it. We got so much like, Okay, so you heard from the dub team. Now it's time to hear from the Mayo men. I chatted to Aidan O'Shea all about playing against the likes of the dubs and um, all about what will happen to him when he does definitely decide to retire and hang up the jersey and why that means he's so invested in his career, both on social media, but also his nine to five um, for when that day does come. Yeah, well, I think in fairness to GA players, like a lot of them, um, you know, most even the guys in the Mayo squad, you know, they're all very, um, you know, um, driven in terms of their professional career as well. You know, we don't let this like stand still in terms of what we're doing there because I think it's one is conducive to the other. I think if you're progressive off, would you be progressive on it? And I think, um, you know, through the GPA and through our own um, support structures in, within the county, you know, people, you know, as long as you're you're working hard in your professional career, the opportunities will arise. And I think that's um, that's really important because I think once you come to the end of your career, you know, the jersey will end and, and um, you know, people will forget about you very, very quickly. And it's important that you're in a position to um, provide for yourself and, uh, and and move forward. I think that's, you know, ultimately football is a hobby and something that we love doing, but you need to make sure you're looking after um, the basics as well. The first ever politician on Tis Yourself was on this season, and that was Minister Simon Harris, who um, is the Minister for Further Education, but also the former Minister of Health. And he was Minister for Health when COVID first kicked in. I want to talk to him about, you know, some of his life away from politics, how he ended up in that career, because it's not something I ever imagine people sit around and dream of becoming a politician. Um, Well, not most people anyway. So I want to talk to him about his life away from that, as well as, you know, life in politics. And it's also quite interesting to hear when we did speak, how much has changed now in comparison as we go through this 807th wave that we're going through with COVID. When I was 13 and I went into secondary school and you have to do one of these career projects, what do you want to be when you grow up? I did it. I wanted to be a vet. Um, Yeah, I really like animals and uh, I always wanted to be a vet. And uh, so that was where I was meant to be. And then then I suppose, as often happens to a lot of people, kind of life happens and that changes all your plans. So, I mean, my brother, Adam, um, was born with a form of autism, what used to be called Asperger's syndrome. And I was an opinionated, moody teenager living in Greystones in County Wicklow. And I was really frustrated and annoyed and that sometimes there was so little information out there about autism. Um, so Adam is I think eight years younger than me and I saw the pressure my parents were going through and even as a sibling as well kind of back then even a lot less was known about autism than is known now so it always no matter how many times I tell the story it always sounds really odd when I tell it but but it did genuine it did happen but maybe it says more about how what, a, what an odd teenager I was but I decided one night to hold a public meeting in my hometown and just to ask anybody else living with autism um, to come along mm. and about 60 people turned up in this parish hall in Greystones on a kind of cold February night and they were all like oh yeah I have a son with autism or I have, I have autism myself or I have a brother with autism and 
and they were all living in our community you know we so like I myself and my family felt so isolated in many ways you know not a lot was known about autism we certainly didn't know a lot about it and then all of a sudden we realized Jesus loads of people in our community going through the same kind of challenges that we're going through as a family and trying to work out uh, the same issues that we're trying to work out and try to get their head around how do you best look after your child or your brother or your sister and that night at the meeting we, we decided we'd set up a group called the, the Wicklow AAA Alliance it was autism ADHD and Asperger's being the three A's and we started um, we started running little things like summer camp so we'd, we'd hire the, the local cinema out in Greystones that's the cinema by the way that featured in Father Ted you know down with this sort of thing careful oh now. my god is that where that is yeah, that's, that's in Greystones um, that's in Greystones Now from the glamorous life at Dal Aaron over to Carrickstown. Tony Tormey was up next, who plays Lothario Paul Brennan, um, on obviously on Fair City, and he was one of my three guests I've had from Fair City on the podcast. Um, McLean was in season one, and as you heard earlier, Brian was there, and now Tony. He talked to me about a very unglamorous job he had right before Fair City. And so we take we would take uh, samples of of, of the specimen, whether it be an eye, whether it be a breast, whether it be a leg, I'd say mainly biopsies and, and stuff like that. And then uh, we make slides of it, and the pathologist will have a look and see how far the car the cancer has gone, or if they had cancer at all. And so that's what we, that's what I was doing. And then we had to go over and do uh, post mortems with the uh, you know once a week we did post mortem with the doctors, which is the most the most weirdest thing I've ever felt was going into it. My first post-mortem, which I'd never seen a dead body before. So that was really scary. So going in to do the, uh, going into the post-mortem, this other guy was with me, Tony, he said, it'd be grand, it'd be grand. But the first thing that hit you was the smell. And they had just opened up the body from the sternum to the, to the, uh, the pubis bone. And you're there and you're kind of going, that smell is just so, oh, I can't even describe it. It's really awful. But there's a, person lying in the slab there opened up and there, one of the morticians is there and he has a sandwich in one hand and he's a scalpel in the other and he's taking oh the other. from Paul to Peter uh, in this next clip you'll hear Peter McFerry Father Peter McFerry of course of the homeless charity in his name a man who's done amazing work over the last few decades in trying to eradicate the homeless problems, buying houses, building houses, giving people a roof over their heads, not only with hostels, but actually trying to find a permanent solution, which is something I have great respect for. So while this podcast does seem to have, you know, it is about famous people and well-known people, it doesn't have to mean that you're on TV or a singer. So I want to talk about, talk to somebody who is really making a difference here in Ireland. CEO tells a story of he was walking along the street with his seven-year-old son and he saw a guy begging and his son says to him what's that man doing there daddy and he said oh he's homeless and his son looks up at him he says but you work with the homeless don't you and uh, he says yes and his son said well you're not doing a very good job are you (laughs) (laughs) it sometimes feels like that you know, oh, I'd say you, you guys have some days where you're like, I, I give up. I can't do this anymore. Nothing's going our way. It, it's it's very it's very distressing when people come to you for help and you can't help them. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a mental health problem they have. You can't solve their mental health problem. You can advise them. You can suggest to them. You can bring them to a doctor. But uh, it's 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 distressing when people come clearly with need and they're in distress because of their need. And there's very, very little you can do about it because the needs are beyond our ability to uh, to address. Season two, I suppose, saw a lot of new styles of guests coming on to the podcast. Um, I had my first TikToker, which I suppose I, I suppose I had two because I also had Jonathan Jolie. Um, Jonathan, I suppose I knew him more from YouTube, but... Um, my next guest I definitely knew from TikTok, Miriam Mullins from Cork, who gets 20 million views on her TikToks every single week. She's got over a million followers, but she says that it's not all that glam. It's not all that exciting all the time. It can be very lonely. And also half the time, her mother doesn't have a clue what she's up to. Yeah, no, 100%. Honestly, Twitter is the worst. I don't have it at all. I have it deleted. I know, like, um, there's people tweeting about me on Twitter all the time. I was trending twice on it for literally no reason because people were just hating on me on it for literally no reason. Um, I mean, it's, it's a weird, it's such a weird place. Like, I think Twitter is great for scores of matches and things like that and, you know, whatever. But it's it, it can be a very toxic place and any influencer that you meet will say it as well. Like I know so many influencers who have just deleted their Twitters or removed the app from their phone just because it's it's like, you know what, if you Google yourself, okay, uh, you know, stuff might come up or whatever, but if you go on Twitter and you write your name, it's, it's going to be 90% negativity about yourself. Unfortunately, that's just the way Twitter is. Mm. And it might be something that someone tweeted weeks ago, but that day you could be feeling a little bit down and you'd read that and be like, oh my God, somebody thought that. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't look at those things anymore. I just, it's not even worth it. Like I genuinely think, Google, not Googling yourself, but looking yourself up at Twitter if you have a social media platform, is a form of self-harm because people are so nasty like and it's someone else's opinion but at the end of the day as you said earlier they would not say it to your face now my next guest i'm going to play here my next clip is by mr motivator who was one of my favorite guests because he's so positive and he really puts the pandemic into a new light when you hear about other people's problems the stuff that he's come through and yet he gets up every day smile on his face like red that would blind you and helps people work out, have fun, lose weight, etc. So it was really, I suppose this might be one for anyone who is struggling at the end of the year or is trying to make plans for 2022 and how to set off on a better tone. This could be the chat that could really help. And if you like it, please do send it on to somebody else who may feel that they're in that slump as well. Everybody we meet, let's make the assumption that they're fighting a battle internally that you don't know about. And on that basis, right, just spare a bit of time for them. And that's why for me, I've learned because I mean, I've been homeless. I've been a single parent. I've been outside the homeless family unit waiting for somebody to stay. I've stayed in bed and breakfast and stuff like that, sharing the same kitchen with five or six other families. I've done that. Right. But the thing is, those are my pandemics. And that's what made me stronger. So when this last year came along, I didn't go, I'm going to knuckle on there. What I did, I thought, OK, what do I normally do when I'm struggling and when things were hard and I didn't have food to put on the table. I did whatever I had to do. 
So if it meant I had to work in Tesco's cleaning the floor, I did it. Up next was Megan Sims, who is um, an activist from Limerick, who's been very outspoken about the leaking of female photographs, um, intimate images without anyone's consent that, you know, we've seen that over the last couple of years and it's been horrific. And most women I know will live in fear of that happening. They may not have posed for any of these, could have been taken when they're asleep. They could have been taken, you know, by someone who is, you know, meant to be in love with them at the time and then have gone online and you just can't get them down. So Megan is someone who's been really pushing for this and this year, you know, joined up with the Minister of Justice and got, you know, laws brought in and she's just really helped thousands of women out there. And I just am in awe of her work. But then the big one was 2016. They went viral, basically, I'd say, in this country. Um, I had like... I logged into my Facebook and I had 400 plus messages calling me every name under the sun, bullying me. And obviously there was a lot of people who were really lovely about it as well, just letting me know that it was out there. But um, it was really, really difficult. And then obviously it got sent to my parents, my grandparents. It, it went everywhere. Um, and then I had a suicide attempt because of it. And then moving on from that, like I got my own place and I took two years off social media because I was like, I need to kind of handle this, you know. Um, it really impacted me. I spoke to Gina Abke Moses, who's a, an athlete for Ireland, um, and she was training for the Olympics in for Tokyo 2020. COVID hit and it really just affected her and it meant she couldn't actually go and represent Ireland this time. But she has big goals and is planning for 2024 already. But she did say it's time that some of the male coaches in these industries, in the sports industry, realize that females cannot train the same way as men. And she's something that she's had to learn and learn that she has to stand up for herself. So sometimes I just, I'm just thinking like, this is such a man because I tell you how I feel. I tell you what's wrong, but you still think it's something else. And it's like, yeah. you have to consistently like be vocal or you just have to just set boundaries. And like, cause like, listen, this is what I'm saying. I don't care if you understand or not. Like, this is what I need. And if you don't want to listen to it, that's your business. But I've taken my stand and that's what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, you have to speak up. It's, it's, it's hard, but you just have to let yourself be heard. Up next, a little clip from one of my favourite X Factor winners, the lovely Shane Ward, talking about why Irish people are right to claim him as one of their own. Just my whole family born and bred there. So I, the, the, the connection, they, they, they get me, they understand me, they love what I do and I love them for it. And... I've missed performing in Ireland. I did. I did a one-off show. I think it was. I think it was 2019 near the end of the October time, and I was at the in Olympia in Dublin. Love it. And um, I just. I just want to get back and just like even just getting on like RTE and getting late late show and things like that. Like I used to. I used to do it all the time. Like I used, to, I used to spend so much time just traveling around Ireland and doing all the radios and probably meeting up with Foster and Alan and you know Finbar Fury and all the legends and. <laughs> Yeah. I just miss it, yeah. I mean, oh I, 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 to, I mean, I'm in contact with Tony Allen all the time. I mean, I, I've, I've such a big love for Tony um, from Foster and Allen. And he calls me all the time and asks how the family are, and I love that. I mean, I'm such a huge fan of, of, of his and Mick's and through the years because I've, I've grown up listening to their music mm. and, you know, they're, they're such a huge part of my childhood. I 
I went back to my childhood with my next guests. I had Scott and Sean on from five, who are now five, but with just three of them, because Richie's also in the band. And they talked about like the fear of getting back together, of of course, of the worry of, where you know, is this going to be a failure? Is it going to go really well? And of course, then releasing new music and without the other lads in the band. We had a lot of uh, apprehension about doing new music, about whether it'd be accepted. And I suppose that that is, it, we put it off for so many years, even though a lot of them, so many fans were asking all the time, when are you going to do new music? New music's like, we felt up against it in the sense of we're competing. One, you can never better keep on moving or if you're getting down, do you know what I mean? That, so you, so that, that gives you a bit of anxiety and it's getting your head around that. Then it's then it's there's three of us, you know, and the majority of the fans uh, appreciate that and, and and sort of embrace it, embrace that because they must do because they're at the gigs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we still had a lot of sort of apprehension, um, but it's it's been really really well appreciated, which was, you know, it was like when we did the big reunion, we didn't know it was going to go as big as it did. Mm. There was a lot of fear then. Um, you know, and and again, it sounds really cheesy, but the fans made it happen for us. And and again, with the new music, the fans are really appreciating it. And after all the fear, it's really nice, isn't it? Right now, I take a trip to Derry via Glee. Yes, I chatted to uh, Damien McGinty all about his experience on the hit show, what it was really like for him as someone who entered the show while it was at this height of fame and were people nice to him or how did he get on? Well, the, and the other side of that coin is that nobody, nobody had to help me. Like it's not, you know, hmm. I think I, I'm the sort of person personally that I would have helped somebody in that hmm. position. That's what I would have done, but not, not everybody's built the same way. And, and that's totally fine. Not everybody has been built the same way. And the reality is that I had no idea what was going on in their lives. They they have their own things going on that they have to focus on. So, and that's not me necessarily like saying, well, you know, defending some of the behavior or whatnot. But, you know, I'm just basically saying like, it's a very difficult situation to be put into. I I had an experience of it. And I'm a very, I feel like I'm, I've been lucky. I've had really, I've, I've got really great parents. So I've been very I think very well grounded. Um, and even for me, I was like, my head was getting turned and I was just going through this process. And I was just like, this is just like, this is, this is Hollywood at its, what feels like at its like absolute top. Um, mm. And it's tough. It's tough situations to be in. So, and that was me that was just entering season three. So as I said, for people going through season two and that sort of notoriety and that sort of work as well. I mean, they, they did not get a break. Mm. Um, so, as I said, it's a very, very difficult situation to, and like circumstance to judge people's behavior after all of that, because there's just so much going on. Here is just a small clip from a chat with Anya O'Gorman, who plays football for Ireland, um, off the back of their 11-0 record-breaking win, which was absolutely incredible. And we just chatted all about how the game is going for women, for young women coming up, starting out, what needs to be done, what are people saying is done, but actually isn't being done? And, you know, the support, is it there? She fills us in on her outlook, I suppose, from what it's been like when she first started until now. 
Yeah, and, and by like just going semi professional, I don't mean like oh, you're just playing a few players for a few matches. Like the environment has to be professional, like mm. the setup has to be professional, and the resources and the backroom staff and and medical and, and facilities, everything in that environment um, has to be professional. There's no point in throwing it. players a few quid if if the support and the training and that that platform to perform, isn't it? A man who always intrigues me, Mr. Keith Barry, the magician, mentalist, mind reader, the whole lot. He fairly got a trick on me in uh, this episode, which I didn't include as the clip here, but um, I did want to know how he first kind of burst on the scene because I feel like I just heard about him suddenly. But was it like actually like that for him? And if you want to hear the full episode, do scroll back and you can get the full chat and the full freak out that he gives me with Keith Barry. And when I was over there, I mean, it was literally skipping queues in nightclubs, jumping red ropes, performing for celebrities all over Hollywood. And just I became known as not just the Irish magician, but I guess the, the magician to the stars in those early days out in Hollywood. Um, and then I was in a nightclub one time and I was performing for Paul Rosenberg, who was uh, Eve's manager at the time. Then also uh, Paris Hilton was there. Um, uh, Kelly Osborne and somebody else there as well but anyways four big celebrities but Kelly Osborne, Paris Hilton and Paul Rosenberg and then ultimately they were freaking out and they were screaming and running all over the nightclub because of the crazy <laughs> stuff they were doing and a, an MTV executive saw me and she came up and said we're in Cancun, Mexico next week do you want your own special and I said sure um, and we cut the deal in the nightclub and then the next week I was down in Cancun filming a TV special down there so that was the start of my TV um, experience if you like over in, in America and then I've, I've done stuff for CBS for uh, NBC, um, for Discovery Channel, so all the different channels over there, you know, over the years. And the last clip I'll leave you with is from the episode with Jonathan Jolie, YouTuber, TikToker, reality star, um, you know, husband to Anna Sacconi Jolie. Um, if you're a fan of his, you know all about him and his family. Um, he was talking about how he finally feels like he has a purpose and that purpose for him is to speak up for people who are that little bit different. His episode remains the most listened to episode on the podcast. So I really appreciate all the Jonathan Jolie fans and the Sconey Jolie fans who have come and listened. And if that is you and you haven't heard the episode, here is a little clip. Go find the full episode, have a listen and do share amongst your friends. Yeah. And and I think what the internet has, has brought about there's a lot of negative things to it, but the massive positive thing is that it allows people in, let's say, rural Ireland, in Kerry, who live in a village of 12 people, who feel like they're a little bit different. They can go on the internet and they can find somebody who's exactly the same as them. And then they realize, they're like, wait a minute, everyone in the town is saying that I'm the problem, but actually the town's the fucking problem. You know, mm -hmm. it's not me. You know, it's like, and that's how I feel like, you know, I'm watching you know, other generations fight the same battles I fought and being in a more, um, you know, position to be able to help that. I'm like, yeah, like, look, the problem is not the world. And I'll stand up on a stage and be ridiculed. You look at any of the comments in any of my content, I get ridiculed a lot. But because I, because I have purpose, you know, because I'm not doing it to be more famous or to get more followers, I'm doing it with a purpose to actually make a difference. In, in at least one person's life, then I'm okay because I have no job to be fired from.
That's it from me for the best of season two of Tis Yourself. Season three is coming. That'll be coming in 2022 and hopefully with bigger, better guests. Do come follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's just Tis Yourself. Or on Twitter is Well Tis Yourself. Um, you can also find me, Nicola Barden, on Instagram, on Twitter. And if you've enjoyed any episode here, do go and find the episode, the full length one, and have a little listen, share with a friend, send on, review, rate the whole lot because Spotify are now doing rates as well, which was amazing. Um, and I'm also uploading the best of season one. So if you've only just joined, uh, started following the podcast in season two, do have a little scroll back, see is there one there for you. Look after yourselves. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas to anyone who's still kind of in the Christmas buzz. Um, hope you all have a brilliant time, are having a brilliant time. And I will talk to you in 2022. Boom!